Hey everyone, we had a few technical difficulties recording this episode, mainly that Luke forgot to turn his microphone on. So excuse the uh, not so great audio, And uh, but whatever, it's free. You don't really care. What else do you have to do? Nothing. <laughs> and that's it. Anyways, here's the episode. This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast for visiting television, sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Outcasts, episodes 7 and 8. Jack, listen to me carefully. You wanted the assassination of the AC leader without my knowledge or permission. I could have court-martialed you, stripped you of your rank, and made sure you never had a position like this again. I didn't do that. Now it's payback. I want 24 hours, and then you can tell the world. And one more thing, I want the AC released. Yeah, attacked our city. There could be far bigger threats to our future than the ACs. Send them back. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast catching the first space plane off of Carpathia. I'm Luke, here's my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? Can you believe this has only been eight episodes? Doesn't it feel like we've been doing Outcast longer than maybe any, maybe any show we've ever done? It's, I mean, it has dragged, uh, yeah. surprisingly so. Yeah, it is the slowest show I think we've ever seen. I was doing my notes for this, and like, in some ways, so much fucking stuff happens that I had to like, do a million notes around these two episodes, but also like, nothing happens at the same time. It's it's a real like, maddening show. I have a lot of notes that say like, you know, character A and character a, B talk nothing happens character c and character d talk nothing happens only this only thing that happens is people talk yeah i will say this though the, for the first time in these two episodes they finally start having like secondary characters give exposition or start talking which i like i don't know why they waited so long to like build out this world with like there's a doctor suddenly who's able to give explanation instead of stella and there's like a guy who works at the command center who's able to give explanation instead of like tipper but they still do i think it's because you mentioned it you know a few episodes back about how few people other than the main cast speak and how uh sparsely populated the city seems like uh it is because of that and but there's there's a scene i think it's in the last episode episode eight where stella and jack are outside talking and it's just in this big courtyard and there's no one around there's not even a background performer and it's just like guys like just have someone you know working a well or something well it's so funny too because we'll get into it soon we'll talk about those soon but as i was thinking these two episodes you really get the point in these two episodes that they have nothing to do with chipper or lily it's true yeah and i just like you only have like seven characters and two of them you have nothing to do with because yeah. you give everything else to five characters. And so, a uh, spoiler, what do you do with characters you don't know what to do with in classic fashion? Make them sick. They get in peril. That's yeah. all you can do with them. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, before we get into it, Jordan, how would you like to play one last game? Oh, I'd love to. You're a big gamer. Yeah, I am a big gamer. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a great uh, game gamer that uses their imagination. <laughs> You're a role player. I'm a role player, yeah. I'm not even. <laughs> All right, Jordan. Well, I've got a new game for you. Mm. Fresh off the presses. Okay. It is called Who Did It Better? It's like who wore it better, but who did it better? Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're going to go Outcast versus Earth 2. Oh, well, well played, yeah. 
them because they're very, very similar shows with a lot of uh, tropes that cross over. So let's go through it. Um, so your first category, I don't know why I gave them categories, but I did. No, no, it's more fun that way. Parent-child relationships. And of okay. course, your choices are in Outcasts, uh, Stella balancing her job as the head of the Protection Services Agency, I guess, while trying to repair her relationship with Lily, her daughter she hasn't seen in 15 years. Or on Earth 2, you had Devin trying to balance being the leader of the Egypt Project while trying to protect her chronically ill son, Yuli. Well, I'll tell you, it's an interesting comparison because in some ways they're very, very similar in that you have a main female character who should be written in a much more three-dimensional sense, and that's a, a flaw in both these shows because they're not. And what they saddle both these characters with is they're a mom. So isn't it tough being a mom, a working mom? Um, weirdly, I think in Earth 2, it was more annoying because it just kept coming back that she just kept putting everyone in peril because of her son. But there was at least, it, at least it tied to the overall plots of the show of like that Yuli was in some ways this kind of chosen one and the planet needed him for some reason and he had this greater purpose. Whereas in this one, it was the first episode was just Stella going, uh, I don't, I, I, I'm, I can't wait for my kid to get here. And then they don't know what to do when the kid got there. They have scenes where they might be fighting, but over nothing. So like, it's just, I just think it's falls flat. So I've made this much longer than it should be for a game, but I'm going to go with Earth 2 as the, what is it? The better and the, the worses. Yeah, just the versus, which who did it better? Yeah, who did it better? It would be Earth 2 did it better. All right. Sorry, I'll make them shorter going forward. No, they're good. It's good analysis. I like it. The listeners are at the edge of their seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're clicking off immediately. <laughs> Next category, we got here first. Hmm. In Outcasts, uh, it's revealed that the ACs were, in fact, the first to land on Carpathia, not the regular humans. Mm -hmm. Versus on Earth 2, it was revealed that penal colonists were the first to arrive on G889, not the Eden Project. Yeah, yeah. Were all the penal uh, colonists, remind me, uh, on Earth 2, were they the ones that became those robot people, or was that separate? No, the robot robot people who, uh, they're basically the prison guards who lived on the on the uh oh they were the dirt uh, people that were always living in those caves yeah they were like tim curry was one of the penal colonists right and they and one of them might have been like live forever and there was like a witch woman and stuff yeah they discovered that they could psychically go back into people's dreams and are the whole reason that devitt even came it was very confusing the mythology kept building yeah again i'm gonna give it to earth to even though it was a complicated maybe somewhat nonsensical mythology i think it played out better than in outcast because outcast just doesn't give these people anything to do and the only person that ever speaks in eight episodes is rudy right so it's like we don't learn anything about them so they can't get a win on this one fair enough all right um the next the next question is actually two-parter but it's called the birds and the bees (laughs) yeah uh who did it better jordan outcasts a planet full of bird of bird population that is silent versus earth 2 a planet full of a bird population that screeches every five seconds um i think i like the silent birds better <laughs> i'll give one to outcasts because i don't think they're gonna win anything <laughs> and then in the same category who did it better outcasts which has insects in the form of black flies who give you a severe allergy attack at random but only for one episode by them many times yeah yeah or Earth 2, which had love-hate spiders that bite you and give you a strong emotional reaction and also run an underground network of teleporting caves? I think I have to give this one to Outcast because that was so stupid on Earth 2. That was so stupid. 
You didn't love you didn't like the love hate spiders? No, it was stupid. I, I got to give it to Outcast for the, the one time that there was some uh, uh, peril out in the in the wilderness that's apparently so dangerous you can't ever go into. All right, and next up, the next category is called Traitor in Our Midst. Uh, of course, Earth 2's traitor is the religious leader Julius Berger having secret communications with an ominous spacecraft in orbit. Yeah, he's versus not Earth win. 2, where Dr. Julia Heller was having secret communications with an ominous satellite in orbit. Honestly, it is insane how similar these shows are. Like, it's not even like the characters are the same, the plots are the same. It's just like two book reports written on the same book, you know? Um, <laughs> but uh, I got to give this one to uh, Julia. I think she was a better character than Julius. And also, their names are so similar. And, but <laughs> Julius That's is, true. They're so the same. Julius is terrible. He's terrible. And I don't think he's a bad actor, but that character is so badly written. He doesn't work in any way. It is so awkwardly. I can't believe how badly written that character is. Yeah. In a show where everyone else is just like a shade of gray that you can barely care about, he is just like all evil all the time. Well, that's the thing. And yeah, we'll get into this as we get into it. But they want to play this thing for the audience that he's supposed to be, uh, you know, you're unsure and maybe you kind of agree with his tactics and but maybe not the end result. But it's like, no, no, no viewer ever is going to agree with him. So it doesn't it just he's just terrible. All right, final category. It has a couple little spoilers in this one, but that's okay. Um, the category is called We Don't Want You Here. <laughs> yeah. on, Carpe- on Outcasts, it's a non-corporeal entity or entities that do not want humans living on the planet and attack them with a virus, uh, C-23, and in this episode, C-24, um, <laughs> versus Earth-2, which had a planetary life force that was rejecting human life on the planet and started making all the humans sick with an unknown illness, which resulted in uh, Devin Adair being frozen at the end of the season finale. I think I'll give it to Earth 2 if just in the execution. I can't believe I'm giving it to Earth 2. Like, it's not a good show, anyone, but it's better than this. Wow. Well, that's a uh, slight, slight edge to Earth 2, but yeah. a, few, a few points Kate went to old outcast here. So, you know, so not, not nothing. But again, isn't it crazy how similar these shows are? Like, they've got to be the, the two shows we've seen that are the most similar. I mean, obviously, it's crazy how much similarity there is, but I'm sure if you went and looked at some of the cop shows we watch and stuff, you'd find similar tropes. But these ones, for whatever reason, they really line up. They really do, like, sit on top of each other. Well. I mean, we did have a lot of born sexy yesterday. We did. We've had a ton of that. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. All right, Jordan. Shall we do it? Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's wrap this stupid show up. Here's the IMDb summary for episode seven. Cass receives an anonymous note that threatens to expose his past. Tipper helps Stella and Tate learn more about the mysterious hostile life form that occupies the planet. Yeah, I think that's it. That's pretty. Yeah, I think pretty it gives a little too much credence to Tipper's involvement in the episode, but <laughs> sure enough, fair enough. It's it's funny. I'm trying to think right now. I I, I know we'll get to it. Well, as we go through my notes, I don't even remember what his involvement is. Uh, I think at some point he just like joins one of the plots and says, "Hey, I'm here. Can I help?" And they're like, "I don't care." And he just sort of walks around with them for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Who? Now we mentioned this in the in, earlier in the game. Who is a more useless character? Is it Tipper or is it Lily? It's, it's probably Lily who gets the slight yeah, edge, right? I mean, right? it is probably Lily, unfortunately, but uh, it's, a, it's a neck and neck race. There's a scene, and we'll talk about it in the next episode with Lily, where she walks up to Stella and she's like, hey, I'm thinking of uh, moving back home, which, by the way, we've seen no indication of why she'd want to move home and why they were fighting to begin with. And then um, Stella gives a, like an actual reason. She's like, there's actually someone staying here right now, but sure. And then she's like, forget it, and then leaves. And then I'm like, oh, this is the conflict? This is it. They just need them to have to call. But like, nothing happened. There was no fight to begin with. Anyways. All right. So episode seven starts off with uh, our AC leader, Rudy, uh, staring off at Fort Haven. And like, he's either having a vision or just imagining that Fort Haven is completely burnt out and destroyed. Yeah, I think he's having a vision. And then, yeah. And then he says something along the lines like, oh, they deserve it. And then the city reappears. And I was just like, 
I don't know what's happening here, but I guess like a, a sign of things to come, perhaps. Yeah, I think they're implying, and what we would have seen with season two is that the ACs have some sort of uh, tenuous alliance with this, whatever this entity is, and maybe they're communicating in some way. It is given a name this episode. It's called the Host Force. Oh, right, the Host Force. Yeah, yeah. Great name. <laughs> Question mark. I don't know. It's just everything's everything's not terribly evocative of anything. Even what they call the diseases, like they're like, what did we call it? For C twenty three, and they're like, okay, we need a new name for the new one. C twenty four. It's like, oh guys, like call it something. But it doesn't apply. There was like twenty two C's before yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Anyway, um, so that kind of opens up with a very ominous start, and then we. Uh, Follow President Tate as he's confronted in his quarters by, himself. by his own doppelganger. Mm-hmm. Who, who for some reason just stands and stares at him for a while, but can clearly speak. Because I was like, oh, is this going to be like, it takes a while to like game its form and to be able to, you know, move and speak and stuff. But it's like, no, it's just being creepy. Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, it, this, it, this is, I guess, how the, like Josie from the previous episode, I guess this is how the host force uh, mater- can materialize as a doppelganger. And it essentially reveals in its like conversation with the president Tate that it's been watching them in their fort, and it wants them to know that the last sort of Homo sapien species here went extinct, and that they will too at some point. And Tate really takes it as a threat, and I guess it's sort of threatening. I couldn't I, like to me, I was just well, like maybe I watched too much Star Trek. It sort of implied the uh, what do you call this thing? Ghost ghost time? What is the thing called? The host force the host force the host of the most it um it it sort of implies that it had a hand in said extinction right right um but this is kind of like they're getting they're bringing out this host force. it's now becoming more of a plot point and that unfortunately is then shoved to the side so we can focus on what the main plot of the episode is which is Cass. Mm-hmm. that's right um and it is oh what a what a plot line i'm gonna we're gonna go through all of it right now Here's the thing about all, all these. Everyone kind of has their little plot that is going to run through all of these episodes. His is he has a past. Fleur might be some sort of maybe chosen one in some sort of way. Uh, Tate has the conflicts of his morals versus what he thinks the government needs to keep secret. Stella maybe has a bad relationship with her daughter. Like they have all these threads, but again, all of them don't add up to uh, some greater than their parts, you know, because none of them are that interesting. Like, were you were that interested in Cass's past? I wasn't. Who cares? I mean, you know what it's going to be before you even know what it's yeah, going to be. Because he keeps saying, he's like, oh, I have a bad past and you won't like me if you found out I have what blood my past on my is hands, like. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, you, you, you killed people and you feel bad about it. Uh, I, I, Got I it. Got it, Cass. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, the episode starts with his in his plot line where he uh, he asks Floor out finally and she says yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, oh, the will they, won't they? Oh. Because the viewer cares. It's like a, a love story that no one cares about. And then he immediately finds an anonymous blackmail letter on his desk saying that uh, it, they know who Cass really is and they'll be in touch soon. Um, at which point Cass like rushes back to his shipping container he lives in. Yeah, he rushes back and he like opens his what I guess is like a, a closet, an armoire. And he o- opens like his little container and it's got all his... He has, like, I guess his confidential files about himself at the ready at any time he needs them. Um, I know it's yeah, just, like, it a convenient convenient thing to have. Like, you know, he didn't have to have him go through old files. But, yes, he has to, like, run through. And I guess what they imply is some of the files are missing? No, that's not what they imply at all, actually, because he just opens them up, and he's happy to see they're still there. But the files are just his murder charges back oh, on Earth right. when his name was Tom Starling. That's right, right, right. 
So he's like, oh, yeah, good. I've, se- I've seen those. You thought he might have been a murderer, confirmed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, and anyway, this, for whatever reason, this blackmail note immediately causes Cass to spiral. He's for some reason, skips the date he had with Floor immediately, like just from this one blackmail note. Yeah. And then goes to the bar, gets drunk, and is picked up by a clear femme fatale at the bar. He's picked up, and I'm not saying he's maybe not a, a charming or attractive man, but it couldn't be more clear this woman has ulterior motives. 100%. And also, we, he's just pined for Fleur for all the episodes. That's, that's Has a date that night. Yeah. And then just for, for reasons, because it you need the plot mechanics to move forward, he's now going to be with this woman. Yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. Like, he, like, blows up the date entirely and then just sleeps with a rando at the bar. But it is for the plot because this femme fatale in the next morning, he'll wake up and catch her rifling through his things and stealing his gun. Of course, he thinks he's stealing the she's stealing the files, but he's really she's really just there for his gun. He gets angry. Which, by the way, that's a long way to go to get someone's gun, right? I mean, it's a long way to go. Uh, But it was her only option. Uh, (laughs) But he roughs her up quite a bit, actually, to the point where she cuts herself in the middle of it and, like, bleeds all over his apartment. Yeah, they they get into it. Like, he gets overly angry, sort of grabs her. They tussle a little bit. Yeah, I think she pulls out scissors to defend herself. But in the struggle, she cuts herself. And it's, like, a little cut. But the amount of blood they have is, like, way more than it was. Because, again... (laughs) It's a plot point. They need to have a plot plot. point for later. And uh, he basically, she runs off. He can't find her. And he like has to go to work because it's morning time. And my favorite part is he gets to work and he just goes to the armory and is like, hey, funny story. And we never hear what the rest of the funny story is, but they give him another gun. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, yeah. They just give another gun. I thought it was going to be a thing where he has to keep hiding that he's lost his gun. Like you would imagine a police officer would be. But they're like, no, no, no. That's it's it's inconsequential. I really wanted to hear what he told that guy about the gun he lost. (laughs) (laughs) But they don't want you to have an actual interesting scene. They just want to have a little little taste of what could be happening interesting in this world. Yeah, yeah. But he gets to work and... uh, they immediately he immediately is put on a missing case, person's case with Floor, who of course Floor is beyond pissed off because he stood her up the night before, mm-hmm. with no explanation again for no reason. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the missing case they're put on, well, Floor just berates him the whole time, is that there's been a woman missing for two days. Her name's Carla Carla Shapiro, and when they have a look at the photo that comes along with the missing person's case, it is of course the femme fatale that he slept with the night before. Mm-hmm. Now let me ask you. So what we're gonna get here is the plot is that he feels like he's stuck between a rock and a hard place because he's now investigating the the disappearance of this woman knowing that if he says he was with her the previous night he is a suspect yes but i don't know why he he's not guilty so why would he not come out like it just i i just don't know if i bought his character motivations here's where i think this plot line really falls flat is i think they're for a second and they give up on it very quickly but i think for a second i think they're trying to imply the cast thinks this is tied to the blackmail letter he got. Right. But they never lean into that, and it ultimately just becomes about a missing person and, like, whether Cass is involved. So, like, it because these plots are so ten, tenuously, like, tied together, like, you could, I can see what probably the blueprint was somewhere. They just never, like, stick it actually together properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're right, because what happens is he doesn't say that he was with this woman last night, and he spends the rest of the episode trying to cover up he was. Well, which is, and I get it. It's like he's acting like he's guilty, um, but it's like, but there's no reason for it because he could just say, guys, so full disclosure, I was with this lady, uh, so I did see her last night. 
um sh- I, no, should I, didn't, probably be- I didn't do anything he's like i should probably be taken off the case and they'd be like well we don't have any other characters we can give dialogue to so you still have to be the detective yeah, yeah. she stole my gun that's also important information yeah yeah at any rate, they go and visit this uh, missing woman, Carlos' husband, and she, he's like, I, I suspect she's been having an affair. And sort of to back that up, as they're digging through Carlos' sock drawer, they find uh, a letter from her lover. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they look into Carlos' background, and they kind of discover she would never have been allowed to like come to this mission to Carpathia because of all her criminal record uh, in her background. But her husband was uh, a very important person in charge of the plant propagation unit. So she like, she's only here because of her husband, basically. Yeah. He's, he's someone powerful who pulled strings to get her where she is. I got the sense right off the bat that the husband was a little bit creepy. Didn't you? I mean, he's playing it super creepy as, as requested, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you know, there's something up with the husband. They don't, it's when there, there's not like a, a real bait and switch. It's like, you kind of go, I guess because as a viewer you know it's not Cass because you've seen it's not Cass yeah and then you're like you meet this husband he's a little bit creepy and I'm like well I guess it's the husband but then you have to go through an hour to get here but you already know what it is and it was at this point where I was just like this is either going to be really bad because this is all it is is the husband did it and we already know it yeah or they're going to do a bait and switch on us and this is going to tie back to the blackmail letter and maybe this husband is a doppelganger that's why his wife's afraid of him like all I thought those things were all maybe going to tie together at the end but no it no. is just a bad husband. Yeah, bad husband. And it's and again, they, they sort of, uh, uh, for all intents and purposes, tell you that right from the beginning. So you're just kind of sitting spinning, there for an hour. Sitting there for an hour to get to where you as a viewer already know, you know? Yeah, and like Flora gets a conveniently timed call that uh, a bartender at the bar saw Carla there with a guy last night. So he's she's like, I'm going to go check that out. And Cass makes up the sweatiest excuse to leave. Well, and let me just say something real quick. They are for all intents and purposes, very prominent police. And they would have to be because they're on every case. So you don't think, and he's a regular at the bar. He's at the bar all the time. So you don't think the bartender would have known it was Cass. He's just like, it's a guy. It's like, come on, guys. I know. It's so dumb. But it is just so that she goes to the bar to get closer to figure out it's Cass. And Cass has to give this dumb excuse where he's like, "Uh, I'm going to go ask around, bye. And he runs off to basically cover up all the evidence that she was in his apartment. Yeah. Again, acting like a guilty person for no real reason. Yeah. They end up meeting back up, and when they meet back up, a, a, a pass officer happens to drop in and says, hey, by the way, uh, I, I found out that Carl has been running around Fort Haven for two days trying to get a gun. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. And once again, as soon as they get this information, Cass gets sweaty again. He's just like, uh, let's split up again. Uh, I'll go protect the husband, and I don't know, you go do something. And what Floor does is she meets two little boys who are like, yeah, we saw we saw this lady being chased by a man out of an apartment yesterday, and the kid just lead her to Cass's apartment. Floor mm-hmm. goes inside, finds blood all over the floor, and what was so crazy to me, and like I get it, like you want it, you want her not to want to believe it's Cass, but like at that point, if you probably have enough information that Cass is acting weird, but like they have a whole scene where she's just like, get this DNA test and find out whose it is. It's like you know, like we don't need this extra scene of DNA test, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's the woman's. We, we know who it is. And anyway, Cass is, like, hiding in front of the husband's, like, workshop or his, like, his, I don't know, greenhouse. And, of course, Carla shows up with a gun. Cass stops her. They have a bit of an argument about, like, you stole my gun. Don't do that. Don't kill your husband. Mm-hmm. And as they're having this argument in front of the greenhouse, Cass and a whole PAS team show up to arrest, or, sorry, Floor and the whole PAS team show up to arrest Cass, basically, because they're like found the blood in the apartment oh and i should just mention i don't think we we properly explained 
the wife wants the gun because she apparently wants to kill the husband. Kill her husband, yes. And, that and is so, correct. Which, which is, it, they don't really explain, like, I mean, th- there's an idea that maybe he's abusive or he's controlling. Yeah. But I don't know if you see anything that indicates, maybe till the end, why it's, they, she's taking such uh, uh, dr- drastic measures. It's, it's why the husband has to play it so overly creepy because there's nothing else to fall back on. We just have to know he's bad. Right. At any rate, what I like, though, here is that um, Floor and the past team show up to arrest Cass in front of this guy's house. And when they get there, he's talking to the missing woman, basically, when they get there. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, and I it probably partly do how they blocked it, Carla runs off the second she hears the past team coming. But somehow Floor and the entire team does not see her run away. Yeah. Like, it, it, it was just badly blocked. It was impossible. It was badly blocked because it's like they're on the same level. They would just see her running off into the distance. But yeah, it, but it's it's again, it's just to extend things so that Cass looks like he's a fugitive. Guilty, yeah. So know. they arrest Cass and Cass is like, she was just here. And they're like, mm, we would have seen that if she was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, Cass gets locked up. They find all his secret murder files. Everything comes to light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Stella's Stella's very upset. She's more upset about his past than she is about that you he's Flora possibly is. a murderer. Flora is more upset. Flora, who did I say? You said Stella, I think. Stella, F- Flora, sorry. I don't know. Who cares? I don't know. His, his maybe love interest is upset. Yeah. And because they find out this, everyone now just assumes he's he was that secret lover and he's probably murdered Carla and hidden her body somewhere. Because once a murderer, always a murderer. Well, well yeah, they, but they sort of are like, uh, they sort of interrogate him hard and they're like, he's she has like a diary from a year saying she was with some guy and, and you clearly okay. been with him for a year. And I was like, what? Here's the thing is they do bring in a diary to say she's been cheating for a year, but it's not carla's diary it's her husband's diary they bring in oh is it the husband's diary so he's he's been uh for marking, a year right he's been writing a diary saying my wife is cheating on me and they bring it in they're like it's all in her husband's diary and i think it's stella who is there at this point she's just like well Cass, i think you should read this di- i'm gonna leave our major evidence with you our prime suspect i ask you to read the diary yourself <laughs> <laughs> in your jail cell and i'm just like this is not how police work works and of course, Cass opens up the husband's journal. Mm-hmm. This is why I know it's the husband's. And he notices the handwriting That's right. is the exact same as the lover's love note in the sock drawer. And Cass is immediately like, well, if he wrote the love note, then that means there's no lover at all. And this is all some sort of long con to kill his wife. Well, and now let's stop in real quick. So this is what we learn is that the husband is bad. We already knew that ahead of time. Yeah. He's been writing the diary that is may or may not be true or a portion of the truth as like evidence because maybe she has been cheating with a lot of different men. No, he says he, she says she hasn't. She swears it. So she hasn't. I mean, she was with Cass, so I don't know how, how much I believe her, but... Um, <laughs> she just needed it for the gun. It was all just to get that gun. What is his long game? He just wanted all this evidence and he wanted to do... He's been setting this up for a year? You think That's he had what... some power? He had to pull these strings. He could have just got rid of her in a way that no one would know. That's what doesn't make sense to me either, because what we'll, we'll see actually about the evil husband is finally we'll cut back to him and Carla finally shows up with her gun. and She's like, I'm going to kill you mm-hmm. because you won't let me leave you and you're controlling me. And I like I can't be in this relationship anymore and you won't let me leave because you're so controlling. And he's just like, you'll never shoot me. You don't have the guts. And he like takes the gun away from her and like kidnaps her. Mm-hmm. And it's just like so it does seem like he just wants his wife to stay with him. So I don't know why he would have built this long list of evidence to also kill her because they someone figured out they it was a great way for Cass to figure out that he's the bad guy and they just didn't do much thinking beyond that 
Yeah, and at any rate, Cass is all locked up. He keeps telling them, he's like, I've solved the mystery! That's the husband! But no one will listen to him because he's the prime suspect. So he does the classic sick prisoner routine. Mm-hmm. He falls on the guy's like, pretends to choke yeah and so like uh, the guard comes in he beats up the guard and escapes and now he is the fugitive that's also solving the mystery he is the fugitive yeah he's yeah it's just like okay and again the thing is the major problem with this episode at least for me is not so much that when you break it down the the nuts and bolts of the episode don't make that much sense which they don't really when you think about it um, like we're saying, like, what is the husband's plan? Why would Cass act this way? None of it quite works. The bigger problem is that you've seen this episode so many times in television, and it doesn't do any twist or turns that you don't expect. So you, at least I did, I just felt like I was just waiting for the end. Like, I know it's not Cass. They never make me think it's not him. We know everything's just going to um, go back to uh, the way things were at the beginning of the episode. We know every single turn that's coming. So it's just like, what is this episode? Why did you write this? We've already seen this no, episode. It is it is a thing. There's no twist that goes anywhere new. And like I said earlier, like I was just like, you've got doppelgangers you could lean into. Like he could be a doppelganger. That's why his wife hates him. You could tie it into that blackmail letter he got, I guess. But you, they don't do that. So it ends up just being the most perfunctory plot. Or it could be in, tied to his past. Like in another way, not even just the... the um, being blackmailed, blackmailing but him, something yeah. about you learn about him, something about his past that is important to this, but they don't want to do any of that. No. Uh, anyway, Cass, Cass races to the husband's um, greenhouse because he assumes that's where they are. There's like a subplot here where I think the husband like says he finds a suicide note that's also in his handwriting. So to like to make Cass think she killed herself in a lake so they'll never look for her body or something, but it doesn't That's matter. right. Yeah, he, he does the, sa- the same thing they did in a previous episode where like, Everybody has one spot that we all know they go to. I think they've done like, we, we know where Mitchell's going because there's one place he wants to take his kid. We know where this lady goes because that's where she wanted to have her picnic. And now so <laughs> this like, we know where she would go because she likes the lake. It's like, oh, okay, this is great in- investigative work, guys. And so Cass races the greenhouse, baffling. He goes into the greenhouse and there's like a work, there's like a work table in the middle of the greenhouse. And somehow in a world that's made of concrete and shipping mm-hmm. containers, this hu- evil husband has built a secret compartment under his shipping container in which he has like tied his wife up and has also built a glass roof that will open up and dump dirt onto it, burying her, I guess, in hundreds of tons of dirt so he'll never find the body. But the mechanics of the thing he's built under his workshop are impossible. Well, I mean, that, that's it's just is one of these things. They wanted this kind of like reveal of he's got like, for all intents and purposes, a secret lair, but it doesn't make any sense in this world. I was like, how did he build this? Why would they have built? Even if when they were building the structure, they would know there's a it's a two floor structure. Like it doesn't make any sense. And it's all for a scene that, let's be fair, is not that great, an ex- not an exciting scene. It's all so you can have them sort of have a conflict and then have all this sand and dirt fall on them. But it's just like this show doesn't do action particularly well. So it's like, uh, OK, great. I'm glad we got to see this. It just makes so little because, yeah, they go down. Cass goes down. The guy has his gun. So they wrestle for his gun. The gun goes off and shoots the ceiling in the shipping container and the yeah. ceiling of the shipping container is made of glass for some reason which yeah baffling the glass breaks and now hit like all the dirt he was gonna i guess when he opened that glass all the dirt starts pouring on top of them to bury them all and then Cass just like saves carla and her husband but i couldn't even figure out where the dirt was because we can clearly see that they're like boxes they're uh they're um uh like planter boxes so like i'm like the ground wasn't all full of dirt 
Well, that's the thing. We saw him go down from the roof. Like he he comes down from the from the room above it, and the room above it is completely empty. So there's no place that dirt could have been. Oh, I've solved it. What it is is he also built uh, in between the two floors a layer a of floor. yeah a dirt floor layer just in case for this sort of exactly for this scenario. This exact scenario. Yeah. Oh my god! It's like I was thinking everything. I'm like, this is. This is like 1970s level writing a bill. <laughs> agreed. Yeah, this is something we would see in like, uh, like uh, Auto Man. Yeah, Auto Man or uh, uh, Gemini Man or one of these sort of things. Gemini Man is that the show we watched? That's the show we watched. Yeah, yeah, Gemini Man. Where you're just like, you just go, okay, they just he, need this. Well, it's just because that villain's so evil, it's fine. Like he's a, he's a Bond villain. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it, it just stands out in this one. Anyway, he saves both uh, the lady. And her husband, the husband. Didn't you think one was going to die? I thought like she was going to die in the classic, like, oh, she's useless. Let's kill her now. And, and, but like, I, it's like, like, no, everyone's fine. I might have been barely watching, but for a second I thought the husband had died. But no, he was also saved. Yeah. And with the case concluded, like, it's so funny. He pulls them both out. All the past officers show up. And they arrest the husband on the spot and just like, don't do anything about Cass. I'm just like, okay, well, you guys just got here. You don't know what's happened. You would be arresting everyone. <laughs> Well, not only that, but at the end, again, we we uh, get back to zero, back to where we were. But in this world, Cass was still hindering an investigation at best. So at best. Uh, even if he didn't kill the woman or he didn't it, kidnap the woman or whatever, he was doing things in a very unprofessional manner. And I don't think he should continue being a police officer. A hundred percent. You know. But here's the thing is, and this is this is the part of the conclusion of the case, is they... Him and Cass, or sorry, Cass and Floor, I apologize, I'm so confused about these names. Cass and Floor have like a debrief together, like just a scene where they talk about the case. And obviously she's still mad at him for lying and like being a murderer, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah. And, she, and they're talking about what, the, what has happened in this case. And they're like, well, we've caught the abusive husband and he's currently in the medical wing being treated for his injuries. We're going to move Carla, his wife, out of his apartment right now but it's too bad we can't do anything about him because we're just going to let him go in a couple hours. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I don't even remember that. Yeah, they just announced, I wish there was something we could do to like stop him from going free, but we can't. And I'm just like, I, I don't understand. What do you mean there's nothing you can do? So I don't think Pass has any power. I think they catch someone who does a crime and they say, don't do a crime, please. You're free to go. But isn't it interesting? And I know maybe this is this is not the show for it and, and could be handled in a very boring way. But there's almost no world building on this show. So we don't really understand by episode eight or so we're on seven right now. But what the powers are of Pax. Is that what they're called? No. Pass. Pass. Like, we don't know what their powers are. We don't know uh, their relationship with the population. We don't really know. Uh, the jurisdiction between them and the XPs, all these things I thought we'd get in episode one. We don't know how any of this, we don't know how their legal system works. Is it the same as Earth? Like, again, these are kind of boring things, but there's ways you can add this into the show so we get a sense of what this world is, but they they just don't want to do that. They just want to have these characters kind of talk. Well, that was the, this was their opportunity to say what would be the consequence of trying to murder your wife, and the consequence was nothing. You get to go free and torment your wife some more. Because I'm like, if you move her into a new apartment, he's just going to find her. But e- but even more interesting, why not get Cass out of out of this? And like, he has to you now deal with not being, you know, for all intents and purposes, a police officer. You know, Make and him a now private eye. 
or or something. There's yeah, yeah. some sort of uh, uh, movement to these characters, some sort of growth. He, him, and Fleur. Maybe he realizes the only thing they had in common was their job, and this has made things even weirder because all she can talk about is cases that he's not on anymore, or who knows. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's got to be some ideas you can spitball that are interesting more than. Anyways, hey guys, you remember this episode you just watched? None of it mattered in any way. Yeah, we just now everybody knows Cass used to be a murderer, but also eh, nobody really cares that much. Yeah, I mean, she does for a scene, but as we know with Fleur, that she essentially will forgive him all the time anyways. And it's like, what we just know is there'll be about three scenes where she's like, I don't trust you, but don't worry, she will. Yeah, don't worry, they're getting back together. Yeah. Also, Jordan, um, fun fact, this whole episode spun off of the idea that someone sent him a blackmail letter. And they somehow actually do conclude the blackmail letter plot in this episode, despite having nothing to do with blackmail. And do you remember the origin of the blackmail letter? I do not. At the very end of the episode, Cass gets together with President Tate and he's just like, somebody tried to blackmail me. And somehow, and I can't quite figure it out in that conversation, they're like, oh, it was just Julius. And I was like, to what end? Why? Why would Julius do this? And they're like, it was Julius all along. And I'm just like, you don't see Julius talk about it. It never comes up. But they they just like tell you Julius tried to blackmail him for no apparent reason. Right. Yeah. Well, they I was just like what? because they want this thing that he's like always pulling the strings and he's always kind of uh, he's he's always involved in some way. But again, they don't show you this. It, this show has an amazing ability to not show us anything, and they will literally go, "Hey, remember that thing that happened happened over there that you didn't see? Th- that was happening." Yeah, it was, it's so weird. And there's not even they don't even give a reason why he might have wanted to blackmail Cast. It just was like we needed we needed the blackmail letter at the beginning to make him go crazy so that we could finally get his past out in the public. But it means nothing. Yeah, it means nothing. And that's that's plot A. That's plot A. Um, the other kind of main plot this episode was between President Tate and Stella dealing with this host force we had discussed. And um, they, they, as always, when they want to keep it secret from the public at first. They're like, oh, we shouldn't tell anyone. And they're like, well, who knows about the doppelgangers? Josie knows, because that was her doppelganger. Mm-hmm. Cass knows, and they both agree. Neither of them are going to say anything, because they, they're not going to stir up any shit. We can trust them. And Jack. And, and then, well, that's, that's just it. And then Stella says, or I think, and I think, so one of them says, it's like, what about Jack? And they're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, he's going to tell everybody, isn't he? <laughs> what? You know, Jack's it, it, an odd character in this show, because they clearly want him to have a turn, because they make him a sort of unlikable character at the beginning, but you know... Uh, or at least I think the audience is supposed to be savvy enough to know that he's going to have a turn and when it really matters show that he's a good person but I kind of feel like they have put so many building blocks to have you not like him that his turn when it eventually comes I still don't like him yeah I mean fair enough he he is kind of he's I mean it's because all these characters show one note he's kind of just like an abrasive jerk all the time so you definitely get the sense he likes all the other characters but he still is a jerk to them because that's his like main operandus and we know he's sort of bad because he's teamed with Julius for a bit here, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Jack's a tough character, for sure. I don't... I feel bad for that poor actor. And there's, like, a scene here, too, where, like, the president will take him aside and said, Jack, I know you want to tell everybody about that doppelganger you saw, uh, but can you give me 24 hours before right. you tell anyone? And he gives uh, him less than two before he tells Julius. Right. Or should we talk about why he needs that 24 hours? Well, let's, I'll go through. I've got a whole list of stuff here. Maybe okay. we might have to come back to that because... What sort of happens at first is um, they are go back. They're, they're sort of going back to that last episode with the doppelganger and Josie, and they're listening to the old radio signals. And what they discover inside of the radio signals is there's this little um, 
ultrasonic frequency being mm-hmm. played in between radio signals. So um, they figure out that the host force apparently communicates via ultrasonic signals. So they this is where they install. There's like a big montage where they go around town installing receivers so they can like pick up these signals. Mm-hmm. And this is where Tipper like happens along and just like, hey, I can help. And then Tipper's there suddenly installing. Yeah, because they've sort of established earlier that he might be like a genius, and so if they need him, they need like some specialty thing done. He's brought in, but it's like I don't know. It doesn't really work. But it's yes, very funny because he just shows up. They don't request his help. It just what happens is Stella's walking by and one of them's being installed and Tipper's installing and he's just like. I'm helping. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right. But yes, they're, they're, they're hoping to, to figure out what this transmission yeah. or what these uh, radio waves of sort are. Yeah. What they figure out is these ultrasonic waves are basically a four note code. Uh, they, they break it down as ABCD that just mm-hmm. keep like repeating in variations over and over. And um, they can't decode what it means. So the episode concludes with Stella deciding that we can't figure out what it's saying. We can't decode its its language. But what we could do is we could just broadcast whatever it's saying back to it and just be like, hey, guess what? We're listening. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, is that a good plan? I mean, it's a it's a plan. It is a plan. And we'll find out next episode. It was a bad plan. But bad. Uh, it's just very <laughs> well, funny that this plot concludes with like, I don't know, just blast it back to them and see what happens. It's funny because um, in an effort to make these characters seem uh, three-dimensional or more interesting or nuanced or have these shades of gray, um, both Tate and Stella, all we really know is like we're supposed to like them because they're sort of our main characters, but I think both of them have never made a right decision. That And that's the shade of gray. It's like, but they're also terrible at their jobs. Well, and then we'll talk about President Tate's plot really quickly here. He finds out about the signals, and he's like, hey, I'm going to go on a little adventure to visit our AC leader friend, Rudy, to mm-hmm. ask him if he'll join forces with us to battle the host force. And it takes literally all episode of him standing out in the middle of the desert, staring at nothing, and his ghost kids pop running by, and nothing happening to him. But Rudy does finally show up. He reveals that, like, I, I, someone reveals that, yes, the host force did cause the C-23 virus, and that the, the ACs and Rudy are not going to join forces with the uh, people at Fort Haven, because uh, the host force likes the ACs, and he's just gonna, so they're just gonna murder the humans together. Yeah, they're basically like we've teamed up with these with this host force, so we don't really care what happens to you guys because you did us bad back then, you know. Yeah, yeah, you did us wrong, so now you die. Mm-hmm. We're we're in league with host force. Yeah, that's right. Host force for life. And so, so it's again, it's sort of weird because you've spent this whole time of you know we're cutting it short here, but. It's just the whole episode of him making this journey and sitting and waiting. And they have a conversation. He's like, so, hey, do you think we could team up? And they go, nope. And he goes, okay. And he goes back. I'm like, well, okay. Yeah, nothing happens. They, I, honestly, the only reason I think this happens is so that when he gets back, it's so funny. He gets back and he's been gone for, what I don't know, a day. Who knows? And in that day, Julius has like just decided he's going to do the whole his own press conference. Because when he gets back in, he basically right. walks into Fort Haven as Julius' press conferences on the TVs. And you may have forgotten about it, Jordan and listener. But a few episodes ago, they caught an AC assassin trying to kill Jack, and they've had him in prison this whole time. Mm-hmm. So when Jack, so or sorry, when President Tate gets back, Julius is giving a big press conference, being like, "Oh, you guys, I've got something terrible to tell you. Check this out." And then he cuts to live footage of a public ex, uh, the end of a public execution of this AC. He's like hanging by his neck. Julius is showing everyone like they've just like lynched a man, and Julius is like, "Listen." I don't agree with lynching or vengeance killing or anything like that. 
but, you know, I can see why you'd want to, and maybe we should kill all the ACs. I'm like, wait, yeah. what? I know. it Again, his none of his dialogue works because they're, you're supposed to be, um, they're supposed to be subtle and sort of like, you don't know that he's manipulating people, but it's handled so clumsily where he's wanted this guy dead, but... You know, the, uh, it's that idea that he he's giving this public face and his private face are two very different things. But they just have, they he just have him both be, in his address. He gives his yeah. public face of like, I think this was wrong to murder this man, but I think we should murder them all. Like he yeah. says it the next sentence. I'm like, yeah. oh, what? Yeah, yeah. It, it, they might as well have had him come out and say, hey guys, uh, we killed this guy. He deserved it, and I am uh, a tougher leader than Tate, and. This is what we need right sense. now, and yeah. you should and you should follow me. And it's instead of like he should be unabashedly, this is what I am. I am. You guys need this very almost fascist regime because of you know A B C D. But they're just like oh, it's just just dumb. Uh, it's very dumb. And final Jordan, one final subplot. There's actually another one, but we'll get deal with that one next episode. But I'm gonna do one last subplot for this episode, Jordan. Okay. There's so many subplots for some reason. They're very short, but they happen. Lily gets arrested from stealing from the bar. <laughs> I know. And, in the middle and, of the episode, someone walks into Stella's like, your daughter was arrested for stealing from work. And she's like, oh, no. Yeah. And, and it's it's not like there was a misunderstanding. She was. And then they talk to Stella and she's like, I was trying to get my mom's attention. I'm like, what? I know. She shows up and she's like, why did you steal? She's like, I wanted your attention, mommy. It's like, okay. Um, can, can I mention one other thing? Uh, maybe my favorite thing in the episode. And I mean this seriously is um when Cass goes to the bar in this stupid cliche scene to like drink his sorrows away um the drinks he is drinking is is one of the very few sci-fi things in this show and they look like spray paint containers and that's yes. what he's drinking out of and that was my favorite thing of this episode was those little want, containers I, those are pretty good i did notice he was drinking out of a crazy container i was gonna go back to that lily lily was arrested subplot for one quick second sure because my favorite part is how it concludes Estella walks out of her cell, turns to one of the past officers and says, uh, keep her in there for 24 hours and let her go with no charges. She won't do it again. <laughs> I was like, there's no laws in this place. There's <laughs> yeah. just nothing. Yeah, well, everything's so arbitrary, right? And also, why keep her for 24 hours? Why? Tough love, baby. Tough love. Yeah. Except for the part where there's no consequences to your actions. Anyway, let's move on to the IMD summary for, for episode eight. Seems like about the right time to mention the imminent arrival of CT-10. A transporter carrying a new hope for Fort Haven. That's ridiculous. We would have seen it on our screens. They didn't want to be seen, Richard. They are coming. But in contact with its commander, it seems your shield will interfere with its landing. Julius, the shield is our only hope against the virus. I really don't believe that you are a bad person. Bad? Good. What, you really believe in moral absolutes? He certainly doesn't. You know nothing of my morality, you insect. People are going to die if we don't act soon. I gave you a chance, Stella. A new virus hits Fort Haven, striking down Lily and Tipper, among others. And Tate fears it is the host's response to the city's transmission. And uh, that was actually a heavily truncated synopsis, courtesy of Don at Minify One. Well, Don, um, it's... I mean, pretty much it, but really what this episode is, is it's supposed to be the uh, culmination of everything we've seen before and wrapping up all those plot lines and setting up an exciting cliffhanger for season two. That's what this episode is supposed to do. And in some ways, I'll give it credit, it does achieve some of it. It sort of does pull things together, but it does it in the clumsiest way possible. So of all the episodes we've watched, this is the most 
and maybe this is a bad term to you, but it's sort of like schizophrenic like uh, pace to it because it's just like a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit there, but you're just like, what? what is happening? Because they're trying to tie things up, but I, I, just nothing is that interesting to tie. Yeah. I mean, the episode begins with a kind of fun aerial shot, like a camera's flying over Fort Haven, like skittering above it, and uh, it's the host force heading toward a sleeping tipper who's in bed, and when it gets to him, he gets like, looks like he gets electrocuted or something. He's like zapped, right. doesn't wake him up, but he looks quite electrocuted. And he immediately starts having all these vapor trails growing off of his body. And it, I didn't realize what it was at first, but this I didn't is either. the halo they were referring to. This Yeah, they mentioned it. I must be in episode one, but that's, that's the weird thing. And I know probably what it is, is they mentioned this thing in the writing and then later what, you know, the post people actually did. It looks a little bit different because... I don't think I would have described that as a halo. Would you? It's more like smoke or... Yeah. It's like your skin is smoking. Yeah. And then not only that, which is something they didn't mention, uh, and you see it most prominently on Tipper because he's he's got C-23 or 24, whatever they call it now, angel dust, as we call it. Um, he he. It's sort of like he has a rash that is um, pulsating on his face. Like it's, you could see it like get red and then go away, then get red and go away. His skin is quite blotchy. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that I mean that seemed I don't know. Anyways, I wouldn't have called it uh, Halo. I would have called it uh, Dust Vapor or something. Dust Vapor, uh, the vapors. Mm-hmm, the vapors, better. Uh, Tipper's got the vapors. <laughs> uh, anyway, this time, of course, as we've sort of alluded to, uh, this disease, this virus, is not affecting children anymore. It's affecting everybody, and it's mm-hmm. because its molecular structure has changed. So they're like, well, can't call it C twenty three anymore. Time to call it C twenty four. Yeah and um but you are right it sort of implies this is the 24th one they've had of this unless they're counting ones on earth maybe maybe i don't know but basically what stella's beginning to theorize now that the 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 c's the c24 is back um is that perhaps that four letter secret ultra sonic code they were picking up via the host force is actually dna nucleotides and what we come to learn is apparently the host force has the ability to be essentially create custom viruses that it can then like target it can basically like lock onto one person and deliver a virus directly to that person that it's created yeah you know here's the thing i don't think that's uh i think that's a more interesting idea this show has come up with that absolutely you know like i, I don't think i've seen this before i just i don't know if i get I, I just don't know if i get why this would be the attack like it seems like a i don't know like it seems like if you have this ability to create doppelgangers and uh, the actual maybe planet is controlled by them in some some way this seems like such a um uh small attack doesn't it i guess so. i mean it's kind of interesting in that like the level of technology or the level of like uh capabilities they have to like create custom-built viruses that they deliver specifically to individuals certainly implies like godlike powers but I think it's because it's muddled into so many other things, it's hard to, like, gauge... It's hard to gauge what it all means, right? I mean, because the idea of a society being decimated by a disease or a virus is an interesting one, and it would make sense for why that other population went extinct, because they got hit with a, mm-hmm. a virus they don't have the antibodies to fight. It just seems so... I, I guess what's interesting, it seems like it's maybe too specific to, like, this uh, uh, pinpoint this person and this person shouldn't it just be a thing where they just spray it out and everyone just dies from it you know well I guess that's the thing that maybe they don't do is like in the first time at least it was hitting children essentially uh, effectively stopping them from procreating but why have they selected these individuals this time like there's never like they're hitting our smartest or they're hitting our right 
fittest. Like they never like specify a reason why. Like it just seems. Or it could just be we're hitting arbitrary. We're hitting, we're hitting all the women because they might be able to have babies, yeah, it, so we're killing the women. So that's the thing. It just seems very arbitrary as to who's getting the virus this time. And usually, because it it, uh, it is Tipper, and then uh, as we said later, it'll be Lily. It's just like it feels like I don't know. I guess they're attacking people still likes. But then there's also like some XP gets it that nobody met and he dies, and some other person gets it. Like you just don't. There's no rhyme or reason for it. I just want to mention one other thing is uh, we did say that you know in these these two episodes you do get a few characters who actually have dialogue other than our main characters and we get a doctor at this point talking to Stella about the disease so we can get a little bit of you know mm-hmm. understanding how bad it is. There's something that made me laugh is that they're talking about Tipper who is at this point like right away Tipper's like in like, essentially emergency care. He's being yeah, he's, in, he's in the ICU and 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 the doctor says to Stella he's in his pre uh, symptomatic stage and I was like no he's not yeah he has symptoms. <laughs> He has symptoms. He's literally glowing and he has vapors flowing all around him. And she and this doctor says he's in the pre-symptomatic stage. I was like, well, I don't think he's a very good doctor. They talk about the blotches and the halo and they're like, those are the symptoms of the pre-symptomatic phase. I'm just like, okay, I, someone <laughs> needed to learn a little more about yeah. symptoms, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about Julius for a bit because Julius is... Having discovered that there are doppelgangers and all this other things happening, he is still very much gun-ho set on murdering all the ACs. Yeah, like, yeah, it's ba- blinders on. Well, again, and this is something they could have seeded and serialized throughout the show, which is at least at least in a way that made more sense. Which is there's uh, an attack coming from the planet or another species or an entity or whatever it is, and there's two ways of looking at it, you know. And his view is always just being that the ACs are the problem, and the other view is, you know, we well she has a we're going to talk about. It. There's another way to to solve it, but they just. It just it just seems so dumb that he's just always like it's the ACs. It's like no one would follow him. Well, and it's so funny too because he like he basically hears it. He hears that this C twenty four is back, and he's immediately just like, "This is we have to get these ACs. We have to kill them all." They they it's like don't you remember how they spread it last time? It was all them last time. I'm like I'm like you've been here a week, man. You weren't here last time. <laughs> like he talks about yeah. it as if he was there. Yeah, and you're and you're right. Probably in terms of the actual timeline of this, he's probably been there about a week. A hundred percent. And what my favorite part though is, is as soon as he hears about this health outbreak, like what we come to learn is that mysterious ship is in orbit. It's getting ready to land. Like it's ready. It's coming down. Mystery mm-hmm. mystery ship is coming. And he runs back to his quarters and he excitedly calls up to to tell them, hey, there's a huge health crisis happening here. And he spins it into being a good thing. And they're like. Oh, cool. I guess we'll be down soon. And I was like, if I was in that ship arriving on this planet and someone calls up and says, hey, FYI, a massive virus outbreak is happening. I'd be like, oh, cool. I'm going to wait up here. Yeah, we'll circle around one more time. But he like he calls him. He's like, great news. Health <laughs> crisis. He's a, he's, a good, he's a good politician, you know? He's a great politician. Great spin on that health crisis. <laughs> anyway, in preparation for their finally arriving, Julius executes the next part of his master plan. Right. And a little bit of this relates back to last episode, because at the end of last episode, we see him call up to the ship and it's like, I need you to send me an Omega file. Mm-hmm. The Omega project. No, that's not it's not an Omega project. The project called Amelia, the Amelia project. He just needs the Omega file that's inside. But they say the Omega, when someone says later, he's like, ever heard of the Omega project? No, it's the Amelia project. Oh. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe just their accents are so thick. Mm, maybe. I thought they were saying Amelia the whole time. No, I thought it was Omega, but either way, anyway, it's a project. Whatever. So he got this file last episode, and at the beginning of this episode, he announces he's going to leak this this file to the public 
because it will ruin President Tate. It'll turn them all against him once they see what's in this file. And essentially the file reveals that Floor, our friendly past all along, has herself been an altered cultivar. Yeah. So here's here's a weird thing. Really, since the beginning, the only character that from the beginning was friendly friendly and sympathetic to the ACs was Fleur. And now we're learning that Fleur is an AC. Doesn't that sort of undercut things? Yeah, it's a little, It's a, it does kind of hurt it in that it's just like, oh, is she only sympathetic because somewhere deep down she's also that? It, 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 cut, it undercuts Right, it. and it's like, again, we've never seen anything bad about the ACs. So it's like, so they all just still don't like them for no reason? Yeah, it's it's a bit of it's a bit it's a bit of a mess. But did you catch how she's been altered, Jordan? Yeah, they said. Um, I'm sure you have it more specific, but it's it's not so so much a physical thing as much as like personality traits, which I think they sort of picked and choose. But I think we get a scene really where Tate and her sits down, where she finds out she's an AC, and she's very upset about you know like she's having sort of a a crisis of. Like an existential crisis of who she is. And he's basically saying, no, no, you are who you are. We basically just picked traits and then knew that through your uh, interactions with people and the environment that it would develop into its own personality. But we did sort of pick and choose the basics of what we wanted you to be like. Yeah, the sense I got, I believe what they sort of said was like, it was to make you a bit more intelligent, obviously, and also to be more moral. And I was like, interesting. What does moral mean? Right. But anyways, they, they sort of do kind of lean into, I, I don't know why, it's like they had to pull their punch a little bit like, like, oh, we didn't, you didn't create you, you're still, you're still you, it's just that the building blocks were manipulated somewhat. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not dissimilar to the ACs, but I guess the ACs were done to be more survivable, where she was done to be more, like, moral or something, I don't know. Well, well and, they, they, they also just lean into, like, they wanted to make her the perfect police officer, right? The someone who could uphold the law, but be um, a sympathetic figure, and someone who is empathetic to those oh do you think she was built to be a police officer well that's what i kind of thought but you never really have seen that through through the show no i i I, yeah who knows um but part i guess the reason it's going to ruin tate is is a that tate obviously did not send her off to be executed with the rest of the acs back during the uh, c23 epidemic um and i guess the reveal there is that tate's sort of like oh we tested you you didn't have it so uh yeah but does that jive with what we've learned about tate because we sort of have this redemption thing with tate where he feels bad as to what he had done to the acs which was send them off but why would he have not sent fleur off well the that's the other part of this is they never come out and say it but i believe so at some point Cass implies it and i think because president tate doesn't deny it it's true is that you know, they had to take genetics from somewhere That's right. in order to make Floor, and that President Tate is her biological father. Right. Or, yeah, he if, if not, like, a direct, there's part of his DNA in there. Yeah, somewhere mixed in there. So perhaps, and he does say, like, he views her as a daughter, so. Which, by the way, let's say th- that has never been established in this show in eight episodes. Did you ever and, get the sense they were a father-daughter relationship? Because I No, not, not even remotely. But at any rate, what's happening now is Julius is like, gotta kill these acs first things first we have to arrest floor because she's an ac so she has to be executed too so she julius goes gathers jack and his xps up and just like hey we got to get floor we're gathering all the acs up and at some point we're going to murder them and uh, it's a little awkward for jack though because um last episode at the end of the episode because floor was so mad at Cass for being a murderer and standing her up on their date that floor went out and slept with jack to get back at Cass. Yeah. 
And then the next morning, at the beginning of this episode, Cass goes to work and meets Floor, and the first thing Floor says is, I slept with Jack to get back at you. Yeah, what do you think about that? And it's like, uh, okay. There's like high school level dramas happening on this show. Yeah, but here's the thing. They sort of, I think, wanted to play it that like Jack is going to have this uh, a crisis about like arresting her exactly but he doesn't really he's just like no, he, yeah i don't care he, he they have conversations about it where he, where where like julius is like she isn't real she's an ac and then jack's like she felt real last night <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless jack goes with his xps they arrest her drag her off to a prison and um essentially julius storms into tate's office and says hey I demand that you release a privileged file. I've, I've got the uh, the member of justice from the general counsel sign off it. And I guess the privileged file is just more information about Floor and her AC project, I guess. Yeah, they, they sort of imply that some of these projects were kept from the public because uh, because and uh, because and, they love and, to keep things. But if you if you are someone and you request said files, it's illegal to say no to them. So I don't know why it even matters that they're private if anyone can just access. access well, I think them. you need a general counsel of justice uh, to sign off on uh, it. Maybe. So Stella, what happens here is that Stella negotiates. She's like, we'll release the file, but you have to uh, take, we have to get Floor back from the XP jail. And we're going to put right. her inside of the uh, past jail. But then when they get her, when they do the exchange, Stella's like, well, I don't want Julius knowing where you are, so you're gonna go stay at my apartment instead for safety. Mm-hmm. And this is where this is that scene where you said where then, because Lily was living with Tipper and Tipper got sick, she goes to see her mom and says, "Mommy, can I come home?" And she's like, "Uh, I mean, someone's there right now, but yeah, soon, I guess." And then she gets mad. Lily gets mad and runs away. And as soon as she's outside, Lily bumps into Julius and says. My mommy says someone's staying at her apartment, and Julius is like, "Gotta be, gotta be floor." <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like, and so like, and and the only reason is so that they can have the the XPs find out where she is because they don't want to have to have the scene of them actually figuring it out. But it's yeah, just like, good. okay, sure, convenient. Then we cut. Then we cut to Stella's place, and this is where President Tate goes, explains everything to Floor about her being an AC, and then she gets like obviously quite distraught over this like new information. And the XP show up to arrest her, and her and Cass flee as quickly as they can. And they're like, we have to get out of here. Where should we hide? I don't know, Tipper's apartment? So they just move to another apartment. Yeah, well, because there's only about three sets they can go to, which is Tipper's apartment, Stella's apartment, the uh, outdoors, or the uh, the main control center. That's about it. And then we get some great scenes that are just like... What, the one scene that made me laugh so hard is that it's just like Lily hanging out with Floor as they hide in Tipper's apartment. And this is where, basically, at some point, uh, Floor will turn around and see Lily's sick and be like, oh, no, get to the hospital. You've got the vapors. Um, but one of the scenes starts off, and the first thing that happens is Lily turns to Floor and says, I've always been envious of you. I'm like, I don't think you guys have talked before. I don't. You've yeah. been here a week, and I don't think you two have ever had a conversation on this show before. No, no, no. You're wrong, Luke. They've clearly mentioned that she was envious. The character who's only ever been at the bar. To me. It's just crazy that Lily's just like, I've always been envious of you. And I'm like, these characters barely exist in the same world. Yeah. Like, this show is a disaster. <laughs> and the, the only reason she says this is she be like, because I love my mummy and my mummy loves you more. I'm like, this, none of this works, you guys. Yeah. And, well, again, it's because it's like, I'm like, oh, we've never seen that Stella, how she feels about uh, uh, Fleur. We don't know. And have, you just, ever, it, have you ever got the sense that Stella, like, treats Fleur differently? I haven't. No. 
and and so she should be like uh i love my mom my mom doesn't love me because they keep going down this well that that's all the characters have but again we've never seen any real conflict so it just seems like a character complaining for no reason just stating out loud a thing that we were never have never seen or encountered on the show yeah (laughs) like it's so baffling oh i I've always been envious of you. I'm like, you've been here like seven days and you've never talked to this woman before. It's impossible. Well, I mean, yeah, it might as well be like, you know, you're watching the beginning of a TV show and the first thing the characters say and they go, well, you know, I've always been in love with you. You're like, what? What? I, I mean, at least that'd be the first episode, right? Like, at least yeah. they said at the top, that's fine. But this is like yeah. the last episode of a season. Anyways, but don't worry. Lily's going to get the, She's going to get the vapors. Yeah. Yeah. She's got the vapors. Who cares? Oh, can I mention one thing here, though? So you mentioned the other part of the um, one of the plots, which is that Julius, uh, you know, wants these files so that he can essentially be like a whistleblower of types. Yeah, he's going to expose the president. And what I thought was interesting, though, was the view, which we've seen. We were joking when we were watching Auto Man about how that show viewed the police and how they viewed the police sort of policing themselves. And I got a little bit of a sense of that, this, which is the whistleblower is shown to be such a bad person, the person right. who is revealing these possibly nefarious governmental secrets they have the villain character do it and it's like i think you were supposed to imply like can you believe how bad he is and it's like well maybe tate shouldn't have been having these secrets maybe and and i don't know why he would have had these secrets there's nothing that it shouldn't have been revealed but i thought it was interesting how they view julius and his role in this release of information that is interesting for sure like because yeah i think on just the level of like releasing this information, I think it probably is. Like some of it is should be public, and like some of it is bad. But because your villain's doing it, yeah. But we've learned time and time again that like Tate came out and said, "Oh, by the way, we tried eradicating the uh, ACs, and it was a mistake." And guess what? Nothing happened for it. So why why is he not releasing information? You know? Yeah, he it's, it's very funny. He definitely is. He's always absolved of his crimes, President. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, we finally, Jordan, for the very first time after eight long episodes, we see the general council come together. We actually see a general council. By the way, you knew it was going to be a round table, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's, it's exactly course, what you think. It's, it's a round table sort of like a, a, a top lit with a bunch of clearly just BG. These are not actors they've hired. They're just like people who are we're not going to have any dialogue or do anything. They're just kind of going to look and react to things. Well, that's what it was. I was just like, oh, well, here's going to be a, a, a table full of people I've never met before. Uh, and for the most part, that was true. But I was most shocked when they went around the table. You know, you see Tate's there and Stella's there and Julius is there, a bunch of strangers. And as they're going around the table, Jack's at the, the table. I'm like, Jack's on the general council this whole time. Yeah. yeah. Well, and but that's a that's a good lead. Why is Jack on the on the council? I mean, I guess because he's the head of the the XPs, but it does play into this. Like, yeah, it does it, feel he, more like they need it for this scene. That's it. They need for the the plot mechanics. They need Jack to be in this scene. Which I'll be honest. By the way, I understand what this show thinks it's doing. I don't know if it makes sense in reality. The Tate's plan. But anyways, well, here's the thing. First of all, it's it starts off with Julius's plan because Julius is there. He's he's called this meeting because he's dug up all this dirt on the president, and he's basically going to force a censure vote to force Tate out. And then once he's done that, he's going to do a vote for his uh, Operation Public Health, which mm-hmm. he hopes to execute right afterward. And what is Operation Public Health? Operation Public Health is sending the XPs out to kill all the ACs. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a genocide. <laughs> you know what? That's actually one of the better things. This sort of uh, euphemistic military term, you know, like, you know, anti-personnel bombs. I thought that was actually a pretty good uh, little bit where, you know, you would call it that sort of thing. I did like it, too. I did like Operation Public Health. It made me laugh every time. But before he can hold his vote, President Tate's like, but first, let me give my usual speech. 
Yes, you, everyone knows I start with a, a big speech at the beginning of the meeting, so let me do that first. Let's hold on this vote for a minute. And in that speech, he outplays Julius by, like, admitting to everything and then relinquishing the presidency before Julius can force a vote about it. But in relinquishing the presidency, I guess part of their, I don't know, constitution is that when he quits, he has the right to choose his own interim president. And when he does that, he's like, and I pick Jack, President Jack, to be our new president. Yeah, shouldn't there have just been a vice president that would make things a little easier in terms of the transition? I mean, I was just like, how, do the, how, does, the, how does the bureaucracy on this planet work if, like, the president can just quit and name his successor? Well, that's the thing. It's like, then it's a, it's, it might as well be a royal family, right? Yeah. And then it's very funny because they cut around the table and everyone at the table is so surprised. They're shocked. And, like, Tate and Stella just get up and walk out of the room like they're dropping the mic. Yeah, well, that's the thing. The first thing I thought is like, isn't there other business? Isn't there other things well, they need to take care of? And Julius is like yelling at him. He's like, he's like, wait, let's vote on the censor and my Operation Public Health. And like nobody will listen to him. So he just gives up. He just sits down and goes, oh, man. And and why wouldn't they vote? So could he have just not done anything? And because it seemed like no one was going to vote for him anyways. I don't know. I don't know. It didn't make any sense. Like, I get why President Tate quit so that he could name his own successor instead of just getting kicked out. That makes sense to me. But why the rest of the business about, around voting on Operation Public Health or even doing the censure? I don't know why the rest of it wouldn't happen other than in everyone's in such shock. Apparently no more business can be done. Well, and what made more sense to me is because they've sort of uh, clumsily at best have sort of made it that Jack wants to be, if not involved, running things, you know, so he could pull the strings. But I would have thought this was something they would have done over the season of him slowly getting people on his side so that when he does this vote, he's now going to be voted as in charge or interim president or whatever. Julius that would make would more sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, I, that's what it felt like Julius would be doing. But I guess because it's the president has outplayed him is the thought. And then my favorite part is as uh, Tate and Stella walk away from there, they walk out into the hallway and they're walking away and they're like, whoa, what a, what a play, President Tate. And then they are like, well, now to move on to part two of the plan where we try to drive a wedge between Jack and Julius so that Julius can't influence President Jack. But the plan, you know how they do this? Their plan to do that is they, they anytime they bump into Jack, they just tell him how smart he is and how they have always respected him. Yeah, which works, by the way. You know, I'll make two points on that. The first being, I think this plan would have made just as much sense if he named Stella as the interim president. I don't know if it changes anything. But they, they say it wouldn't work because everyone would just see Stella as like his stooge. Okay, sure. Sure. Sure, I'll, I'll allow it. Uh, the second thing is when, when uh, Stella, I think it's the first or second time she comes to tell uh, Jack like how good he is and how she trusts him. He, she actually treats him like a president. This isn't a figurehead. He's actually in charge. And they have a really, really, really quick exchange about Mitchell, who was the character in the very, very first mm-hmm. episode who died. And he's been very angry about it. And there's been this, you know, clearly secret about that they said he killed himself yeah they imply they tell everyone that mitchell killed himself when in fact floor did it yeah and but the the exchange pretty much goes like this hey by the way remember mitchell uh you're right we we killed him he didn't kill himself and he's like yeah i always kind of thought that anyway and it's like this has been his like this has been his motivating factor through the whole show is it comes up over and over and we probably haven't mentioned that but many many times he's like he doesn't trust them and he's not on the same side as Tate and Stella because he feels wronged by this death of Mitchell. Yeah. And they just wave it away. It's because it's because it's part of the plan where Jack and Stella are going to be like, President Jack, we've always respected you and think you're quite smart. 
to like make the, to make Jack not like Julius, I guess. It's a yeah. weird plan. Don't worry, it's going to work. Anyway, President Jack, he's still going to go through with killing all the XPs for Julius. Like for some reason he's still on board. He's he's like gearing up to do it, but now he's like there's a little he's a little bit like wishy-washy about it, I guess. So well, he's Julius... he's he's standing up to Julius a little bit because Julius sort of kind of whispering in his ear, and he's like, "Hey, I'm the president. I can do what I want." It's like I'm killing them because I want to kill them, not because yeah. you told me. Yeah, to exactly, kill them. exactly. Uh, Jack kind of stands up for himself to Julius, so Julius goes and calls up to the ship in orbit. And he's like, "Hey, FYI, uh, let's put Jack on that murder list when you get down here. I'd like him murdered, please." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was so funny that there's, there's a just murder a murder list. list. He's just like, "Add one, add one more person." They're like, "Yep, yeah, okay." Yeah, it's so funny. I ha- I didn't realize there was a murder list before. And there's also a thing he does, which they've been I think they've been doing this all along and I just never really picked up on it. But he's very clear when he calls them. He's like, "Put Jack on the murder list, but not Stella." Remember, no murder Stella. I'm like, "Is Julius in love with Stella? Have we been supposed to be getting that all along?" No, I just thought he thought she was useful, but maybe you're right. I just realized like this whole time he's really been pushing for Stella, even though Stella's like one of the people who fights against him the hardest, and I'm just like have we? Are we supposed to think they're in love, or he is anyway? Doesn't really matter because the show's gonna be done, and we'll never, we'll never find out. We'll never, we'll never know the difference. Uh, and let me just mention one one thing that it has nothing to do with the show, but it's one of my favorite lines, and it, and it sort of encapsulates this show, which is at one point Stella goes to see Tipper because, as we know, Tipper they don't know what to do with it, so they made him sick, and he's just there's a couple scenes of, of Stella visiting him in the hospital, and at one point he goes. Uh, I always pretended to hate Carpathia, but now I don't want to leave it. And I thought, you hated Carpathia? Yeah, I know, right? I was, I was just like, like, what? Huh? We, we've never established. We established that you were kind of a bit of a renegade and you were um, this uh, pirate radio guy. And you I'm missed like, your sisters, but we didn't yeah. suspect you hated it here. You hated it here. It's just, it's it's such a classic, this show, where they throw a line to tell you something about a character that they haven't established before. Not only that, it won't matter at all. It's not going to be important, so they're just like, "Hey, done. We've we've built this character for you. He hates Carpathia." All right, we got more to go cover, and I like right now I'm feeling confused about what's happening, so I apologize, listener. But this show is such a mess. Um, this episode by uh, is maybe the messiest of them too, because again, they feel like they're tying things in, but they don't do it in a way that it's coherent at all. Yeah, we'll go back to Cass and Floor, and basically, Cass and Floor are now going to sneak out of the city so that. Floor can get away from the murder squads and go live with the ACs until they, this all gets sorted out with her mm-hmm. new AC identity. And of course, as they go into the wilderness, they finally make up for them being mad at each other last episode. Everyone apologizes. Back to square one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Cass finally explains his past of being a murderer, which is the, one of the better parts of this episode is we finally get a little bit of a look at what was happening on Earth. He says that on Earth, he worked for the cartels. And then at the time... The Mexicans and the Russians were running London. Yeah. And he was an enforcer for one or both of them. And along the way, he killed some people, including like a kid he like accidentally strangled or something. Yeah, he, he accidentally suffocated a kid while trying to make him be quiet. Yeah, well, while they were murdering his parents. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't feel bad about the parents. He felt bad about the kid, though. Yes. And the whole thing is to say, I feel bad about it now, and I am only on Carpathia because of, like, President Tate loves to give people second chances, which, sure. But also, this was his big secret for eight episodes. D- did this matter? Was this, was also, was this not enough that he couldn't have told his, uh, his partner? The problem is they built it up to be something that was so irredeemable, and it's not. It's like, oh, I had a past and I was in the witness protection. And it's like, yeah, okay. 
it's not great, but it's not the worst. It's funny, I almost did this in the game, but it doesn't quite align perfectly. But if you think back, there's a character in Earth 2, the uh, the tutor, like half-robot tutor. Oh, that's right. Whose yeah, whole yeah. background was he must have been some sort of villain or some sort of criminal because they turned criminals into these, like, cyborg tutors. Right. And they were upfront about that, so the entire thing was like, can we trust a man who used to be a murderer? Where I'm just like, that's the same thing Cass is going through, but it took you eight episodes to tell me he's a murderer. Yeah. But, like, it, we end up in the same spot. And the same spot, but it doesn't matter because it hasn't um, well, it. Uh, fleshed him said, out at all. You should have said, episode one, he used to be a murderer and he got a second chance. So that people could at least, like, throw that in his face or worry about his violent level. The level mm-hmm. of his violence, right? Yeah. Anyway, whatever. It doesn't really matter. His plot is out in the open. They finally, like, meet up with Rudy at an AC camp. Which I got to... Did you This AC camp, I was laughing strictly. It's a dirt field with one tent. <laughs> But like fifty-five ACs, they just live in dirt fields. I think I think Rudy's the only one who gets a tent. It's I just like no, no effort putting into establishing how these people are out in the wilderness. Well, all we know is, and I, I noticed especially in this episode, is that Rudy's face is a little bit dirty. Yeah. And anyway, they leave Cass with uh, Cass, or sorry, Cass leaves floor with Rudy, and then and then Rudy's just like, "Hey, thanks for joining the ACs. Uh, we're going to kill all the humans. Uh, isn't that going to be nice?" And she's like, ooh, ooh not, not so good. Anyway, back at Fort Haven, Stella has come up with a plan to deal with the ultrasonic signals coming into the camp. And essentially what it is, she's she's devised an ultrasonic disruption field. Essentially like a force field will like cut off all ultrasonic uh, like transmissions entering Fort Haven. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because when they have this conversation about this plan she's come up with, she's just like, ultrasonic signals, you know, like bats use on moths. Oh, but man. how do moths battle bats? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, uh, you know, a force field. I'm like, is that how moths <laughs> battle a bat? <laughs> and, and, and you're you're making it seem much shorter than it was. I Honestly, it felt like they talked about moths and bats forever. And she just went on about how, like, moths don't have much of a chance. But we've seen moths, so clearly some of them get away. And I was like, what is this analogy you're using? It, the analogy doesn't work in any way, shape, or <laughs> Well, anyways, what we need to know is that Moths set up uh, uh, force fields. Yeah, they're going to set up this ultrasonic force field. <laughs> Julius finds out the ultrasonic force field, and he, like, real casual, like, he sidles up to Stella, and he's just like, hey, I heard you build a cool <laughs> ultrasonic force field that deal that that interrupts radio waves. Um, so I, you know what? Let's not turn it on yet. Not yet, okay? Like, I, I, And she's like, why? He's like, well, you know, just in case some important signals are coming down from space. And she's like, what important signals? He's like, don't worry about it. And she's like, okay, I won't worry about it. See, it's even more than that. And, and I just want to talk about this for a minute. He he keeps saying, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. And then I think he, it's in this scene where he's like, well, there might be a ship coming down. No, like, he, he, doesn't just, t- he doesn't tell them here. He doesn't. Cause he, but he does, he, he does it in the next scene anyways. He does. But that's the thing. They have a whole scene where he like heavily implies he's getting secret signals. And she has no follow-up questions. Right. None. But don't you think this would have been a little more interesting if we had really seen him to be very cool and collected because he had this long plan he was implementing through his time on the planet and now things there's been this wrench thrown that he didn't plan on and it could have been interesting to see him sort of panicking and now he was always cool and collected and always very uh subtle and nuanced with how he dealt with everyone but now he's you know sweaty and he's panicking and stuff but it's just like he just kind of comes out and within a scene or two it's like yeah just so you guys know i need you to not put this this uh this electromagnetic force field on because it's going to affect uh the ship coming down which by the way it doesn't really no i mean what we'll see later is like he's very worried because he doesn't want the signals that he's sending out to not get to the ship 
And that's a whole part because the ship's about to land this episode. And this is a little They already spoiler. have the burger list, though. <laughs> no, I, that's true. <laughs> this is a little bit of a spoiler, but when they turn on, obviously, eventually they'll turn on that sp- the, uh, the um, force field that stops ultrasonic waves. You cut up to the ship as it's about to land, as it's entering the atmosphere, and they're like, the ship's like, oh, no, we've lost our signal from Carpathia. Oh, okay, I just used the emergency backup coordinates. Yeah. And they're like, okay, cool. No no harm done. That was the funny thing. It's like he didn't need to mention it at all because they seemed fine because I thought it was going to be that it's already such a perilous journey to, to have a, um, a ship enter the atmosphere, which we've seen in the past. And the problem being they've now added this extra uh, level, which might you know mess up the mechanics of their uh, their machinery or something. But it's like, no, everything's okay. No, but it, it does put him slightly on tilt because what happens here is ja- uh, Julius goes and gets Jack and his XPs and he's just like, hey, people are coming. A transport is really coming down to Earth now. I haven't told you this before, Jack, but like a new ship is coming. It's going to change the government. He heavily implies it's to fascism. Fascism mm-hmm. is coming. So remember when you said owning the mine is better than working at it? You better help me out here stopping the force field from going on or you're going to work in that mine. Right. And so Jack and the XPs storm the control center and to stop the shield from happening. And like Julius like monologues his whole evil plan about the new ruling class coming down. And he doesn't care that if that turning on the force field might stop people from getting sick from the virus. He just needs to get his, his buddies down from space. And he's like really condescending the whole time to Jack for no apparent reason. He just really condescends to Jack the whole time he's monologuing here's another thing he keeps saying in this episode i hate the way carpathia is and there's going to be this new way of running things and you're right he's implying things but i i never got the sense of what he didn't like about the planet i like i know that he didn't like not being in charge but what was it he didn't like he just keeps saying it's a messy imperfect society and i'm like "Uh, okay sure like and it's like I guess so. That's what I mean. Like, don't you think it would have been maybe more interesting if what you ended up finding was, for all intents and purposes, he was a, a racist of some sort, and the ACs had been living in the planet, and his long end game you found was, I'm going to kill all the ACs. But they just, it's just, again, it's they don't develop him at all because they have to have him having these weird memos and prayers and all this stuff, and it's like, I don't know, it doesn't add yeah, up to it's, anything. It's so funny they made him the leader of a religious sect that has never come up. No. Other than to say he is because they also don't want to develop it they don't want to have to create a religion because they don't have time for it anyway uh well he's monologuing and threatening to like that uh, everyone who doesn't play ball with him and his new fascist pals is going to get killed um he, he's really he's really like he he throws that at jack too for, for some reason president jack is there with him helping him turn off the signal he's just like president jack take my abuse or you're going to get murdered too and president jack's just like listen, I don't have to take this shit. I'm the president. Right. And he essentially, this is the moment where Stella's plan, because he's just like, you're condescending to me, but Tate and Stella were told me I was smart and they respected me a little earlier. So I like them now. Yeah, it's like classic dumb guy. It is very classic dumb guy. President Jack turns on old Julius, arrests him, and he's just like, my last act as president is I'm resigning my presidency and giving it back to you, Tate. And I just like this fucking world. What is happening? I know. Can you imagine the newspapers trying to follow this? Like, what's the, the political uh, goings-on of the planet? They're like, Tate gives up presidency, gives it to Jack. Jack gives it back to, to Tate. You're like, what? Is that how this works? Isn't There's no voting on this planet? There's no there's no voting. You just you pass it back and forth like a... It's, it's, like, the, it's like a talking stick. It's like, it's your turn to talk. It's like the uh, like, it's like WWE championship belt. 
<laughs> less fighting, re- less wrestling. Mm-hmm. Anyway, somehow Tate is president again. Julius has been arrested by Jack, and they flip on this stupid force field to stop ultrasonic signals finally. And in a way that makes no medical sense to me, by turning on the ultrasonic signal, not only do they stop new viruses from entering, all old viruses are now cured. That's right. No, it makes it sense. Makes sense. The, the only way it would make sense is that it's not so much that they're actually have been infected. It's that it's constantly pushing a, a virus. Being by a radiation, maybe. Right, right. But it's like, that, it, sure, sure. So, I mean, that's, that's not, not the biggest happening. problem they, of the show. They were, they've, been given, they've been infected with a virus, so they're not cured. But they are. Whatever. I yeah. don't care. Tipper and Lily yeah. live. Great. Yeah. Anyway... The day is sort of won. They've stopped the host force. And so President Tate goes back to his quarters where he bumps into his old doppelganger who's waiting for him in there. In what was my, another insane scene is he goes in there. They've stopped the host forces like virus, basically. The host force is waiting for him in his quarters. And he's just like, the, the host force just looks at me and says, oh, yeah, I see you turned on a force field. We could turn it off if we want to. We just don't want to. I was like, what? Like, yeah, we could turn it off. We just, we're going to watch you some more. But we could turn this off if we wanted to. We're just not going to. I'm like, Yeah, it was sort of basically like, like, yeah, you've thwarted us. But, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. He's like, we could turn it off if we wanted to. But, like, we don't want to. Yeah, and he's basically like, just so you know, we're going to keep attacking you. And Tate's like, can you not? And they're like, no, no, we'll keep attacking you. No, well, the kind of says, like, we're going to stop for now. We're just going to watch you some more. And I'm like, okay. And then Tate's, Tate's big comeback to this is he's just like, oh, yeah? Well, here's what I think. I think your species forgot how to love, and that's why you're so mad at us. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, well, I wrote that down. I said, uh, Tate mentions, you know, that humans have this capacity for love. And and I thought, is that what this show is supposed to be about? Is this show about the inherent qualities of humanity? But I'm like, because that's not what the show has been. But is is that it? Is that is that what I've been missing this whole time? The show's about love? I mean, he makes a huge statement about how it's like, you guys can't feel the emotion love, and that's why you're so interested and angry with us. And I'm just like, oh my god, is this where we're, is this what it's all been about? Yeah, yeah, and the ship comes down, it got interfered with a little bit, but it came, yeah. it touches down. I mean, that's the final scene, it's like, it's actually a decent, it, like, it looks nice, it's yeah. like this huge, huge transport ship flies over the mountains. The way this show looks is not the problem with this show. What has become clear over and over and over is that the writing is so i'm almost gonna say so underwritten that they everything's implied if not uh having statements that you're supposed to extrapolate information from and it just it lets everything down it lets the actor's ability down it lets how good the sets look it looks how it lets down how good the special effects are and the music everything it's just the writing is bad on this show and it's and it ties itself up by the like the serialization has tied itself up into such knots over nothing because there's no sense of resolution in this episode there's no sense of relief there's no sense of tension it's just hey remember all those things that happened they happened okay but this this is this is the cliffhanger is this huge transport ship gigantic transport ship is flying and it's like flies over carpathian it's going to like clearly be landing next to carpathian next season it's going to start a quick question jordan didn't we just learn that you can't fly in carpathia that's right this ship is flying all over carpathia (laughs) <laughs> yeah well maybe, maybe it's maybe it's a new technology you know you can't fly in carpathia it's been established you can't fly <laughs> they said it specifically and here comes a flying ship at the end yeah well I, it, you're wrong luke it can't fly 
But apparently can. Season two would have explained. It's like, yeah. oh, well, you can fly under these specific circumstances. Yeah, the, the ghost forces allowed it. And yeah, the end. The the series, the season wraps up begging you for more, uh, but you're like, no, thank you. Now, did you feel when we watched Inhumans, we both sort of, I think, uh, felt at the end that it was a the whole season felt like a precursor to what the show should have been. Like it was a the whole season was a pilot. But I don't know if I have that same feeling for this. Like I feel like I got through a season of TV, but it didn't feel to me like, oh, now the show's going to get going. I mean, I think. Partly because the show's just not very good. But I I will actually still state, I actually think that, like, I don't think you could have done everything that happened in this season of television in a pilot. But I want you to think about it this way, Jordan. Episode one starts with a new ship arriving on Carpathia containing our villain, which is going to kick off the rest of the episode. The final episode starts with a new ship landing on Carpathia full of villains is going to kick off a new mm-hmm. thing. There's just it could like you could have just moved everything into one episode. I swear, I think that's the case because the fact that those two bookend like that, it just is just like just start us with the fascist showing up then. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you're probably right in that you could probably take this entire series if you just focus on the main plot and cut it into one episode, one long TV, you know, uh, sorry, one long TV TV movie length. Yeah, you'd have yeah. to leave subplots behind, but I think you could still turn it into something. But but let's say let's say you drop all those subplots. Does it hurt this show? Does it, you could get rid of the entire uh, Lily and Stella uh, plotline? Doesn't matter. Has no effect. You get rid of it. You could get rid of the character Tipper entirely. Get rid 100%. of him. He's gone. Doesn't matter. You could get rid. You get rid of all of Cass's backstory. He's just a, he's a guy who used to be a murderer now. Done. Yeah. You could get rid of the whole Mitchell thing. That's done. You, you, there's so many things you could just cut out and streamline, and, and that's. I think maybe that's what this comes down to is this is more than anything we've seen. This should just have been a TV movie. Yeah, 100%. Just a, you know, just a TV movie. And it's like, oh, interesting. This, You're right. This sort of frontier town has been established in space. A new ship has come down with people who have different political views. And there's no tension. And not only while these two factions are arguing, the actual planet has an entity that also doesn't want them. Maybe these two people have to team up. And maybe they have different ways of dealing with it. That There's something there. But this show is just... I I don't know. It's so bizarre. I I don't think we've ever seen anything as clumsy as this. We're like like clumsy is, is a good word. Yeah, like you kind of joked about it. Like you know, some of the shows we watched in the seventies, and there's some sort of hokiness of you know the plot mechanics and stuff because you have to have the hero go invisible or whatever it might be. But it all kind of made sense in the world they established. This is just like like throwing stuff against a wall, and it's just well, boring. I think the problem with it is is it's not that. I 100% believe the show knows exactly what everything means and where it fits, but it's insistence on not giving you any explanations or exposition that you have to like piece it together either via dialogue or like throw away seven episodes later. Like it, it's a good, it's a good example of this. Like you have to give the audience something. You can't just keep promising them things to be yeah. to be announced TBD. But but even when you do eventually see things like so they they hinted that there's these ghosts in the planet and then you find it it's, it was aliens you're like okay they hint on like Cass's backstory then you find he's a murderer you're like okay but if that had happened in a scene of the episode where like President Tate wakes up ghosts are in his apartment and then the next day his doppelganger shows up fine like if that was in like five minutes of an episode you'd be like oh crazy or if like Cass was revealed to be a murderer in in a scene in an episode that would be fine. But we're talking an entire season, yeah. Where they're just like stretching out to the point where you're like, "This, this is this is this is the plot of a this is a scenes plot, not an episodes plot, not a seasons plot." Well, do we rate it? 
Sure. You want to give ratings to uh, episode seven? I'm going to give episode seven, you know, it's no big, I think, surprise that I'm getting tired of this show. Um, And I think you have to consider what has come before because it's so serialized. I'm going to give this a two out of ten. Two out of ten. This, to me, was their kind of, like, noirish bottle episode where it was just, like, Cass is going to be femme fatelled and, like... Did any of it work? No, of course not. But I'm telling you, that's what this episode was supposed to be. They're like, oh, this is our big noir episode with a femme fatale for Cass. He's a detective. It's a one. It sucks shit. <laughs> I love when you go low. It's so bad, this show. It's like, yeah. let's go to episode two. One. It sucks. One. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to give the final episode a 1.5. I have never felt like my time has been wasted more than this show. I, I agree. And you know what? I know this is my thing because I picked this show and I have a horrible track record of picking shows. But I think we said it, and it might have been the last podcast where you said it. On paper, this looks like it could be a good show. Does it not? Like, it has all the elements. And again, they clearly had the money. They had to cast. They had everything you need to make this a good show. The problem is it's it's a terribly, terribly written show. Someone online, when we were starting the show, sent me a message being like, oh, I watched the trailer. This show looks like it might be really good. And I'm like... Aha! Uh-huh. If you watch a trailer for this, you're gonna you're gonna be lulled into the idea. It's like, oh wow! Like, what a high end show they've made, and it is. Maybe that's part of the reason it's so hard to take. Is it is such a like, such a bait and switch somehow? Like, yeah. Everything seems like it would be like at least interesting, and they. Uh, uh, yeah. I wasn't that angry when we started this episode of the podcast, but for some reason at the end of it, I am like steaming i'm just so mad at the show right now well no but you're right it's it's maybe the the most boring show we've seen and maybe it feels like the biggest time waster like these hours feel like 10 hours each of them i mean that doesn't help that they were literally 60 minutes long each <laughs> yeah like it was every time i had to sit down and watch it it was just like i just felt bad it was hard to do <laughs> We, we were texting last night when we were we were talking about recording today and i was texting you saying like i still haven't watched it I had, you know, I just couldn't, couldn't finish. I had to watch part of it last night and part of it this morning just because it's like, it's just such a struggle to get through it. It is truly exhausting. And then I, I like, I do one set of notes and then I rewrite my notes to try to streamline what I saw. And it just like, it's awful having to like relive it so many times. Yeah. Anyways, what's our final score? Should we punch it into the old uh, Continuum Drag computer? Sure. We'll find out the series average for this show. I think it's going to be very, very low, even comparative to most of our shows, which usually end up in the fours. All right, Jordan, here is the final series average for Outcasts. Okay. 3.40. It's very low. Very, very low. And now, now let me ask you, as an overall show, if you were like, what would I give this show? Would you give it essentially a 3 to 10, 3.5 out of 10? Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously very angry right now, so I would go lower <laughs> right now. But yeah, a 3 is probably, it's probably pretty close to the right angle. Yeah, I it agree. Is just, it is just that they really... It's the length of time it goes on for that really tests your patience. And really, like, uh, uh, let's be fair. There's a reason the show didn't last. If you had, like, let's say you really tried, you would have given up on episode three. Yeah. Like, you would have just walked away, and which would have been fine. Like, you would have forgotten about the show, and it had no impact on you. The fact that we sat down and had to watch, and we forced ourselves to watch all eight is, I think, part of the reason I got upset. Eight hours. It's because I, this is a show you start and you're like, oh, I, I can't wait to not watch this ever again. 
<laughs> well, I mean, again, we've, you know, it, it's unintentional, but a lot of the shows we watch because they're, they have not been huge successes, um, end up being on, usually on the side of not very good, but sometimes they're fun. Sometimes they're interesting. Sometimes they're kind of quirky. Um, sometimes they're just, you know, something's not working, but this is a show where you're like, this was canceled because it's bad. It's a bad show. It's a bad show. And, and, and the sad thing is I really do think it didn't have to be this bad on because on paper it's bad they should have had someone else write this the show needed to be written by someone else the guy who created it richard whatever his name is he should have said here's an idea and someone else make this show because i can't i think on the wikipedia it says they rewrote the scripts 25 times i'm like needed a couple more on both right yeah. should have made it 50 all right well that wraps it up for outcasts and not a moment too soon no kidding uh if you want to uh send us any information about outcasts i don't know uh i don't know where we'll do the trivia i'll post it online maybe i don't know i don't know why i keep giving up the email address i guess maybe because sometimes people send us a nice email i hope the uh the writer of the show writes us and is angry that we didn't like it uh i don't want to talk to him <laughs> i want to tell him that i'm like you know what i'm angry about the last eight hours of my life uh i mean i don't know whatever i try i'm, I'm gonna try not to be mad at the creator who knows what went on Perhaps things out of his control. I don't want to think about it. But anyone but the creator can email us at continuedragongmail.com. <laughs> and of course, on Instagram and Twitter, you can, uh, you'll find some clips from this, these two episodes. I pulled the clips this week, Jordan. Mm-hmm. There is so little interesting <laughs> happening in episode seven. Like I struggle to find clips to pull from one of these episodes because so little right. interesting happens in it. I bet. It's just people talking. It's it's it, the show is both visually uninteresting to watch and boring. Well, sorry, but I mean, we've got seven. You, you'll see seven clips all week, all week, all the best that Upcast has to offer. Uh, and the handle, uh, did I say the handle on our social media? Yeah, Action at Continuum Drag. Great, awesome, amazing. Uh, but that wraps it up. Thank God, uh, listener. Thank you for bearing with us. This episode is like double length for a show that we didn't want to talk about, so I apologize. Um, Jordan, I'll see you next week. Yeah, on to something else. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler, produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.